This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies edtech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com BE. Welcome to the Principal Purpose Podcast, where principal and certified life coach Lynn Harden teaches you how to leave work at work and in between get more done with energy using her proven formula after leading three award-winning schools. And now, here's your host, Lynn Harden. Hi, everybody. I want to welcome you to another episode, and I'm your host, Lynn Harden, and I'm super excited. Very, I, and I see that a lot, but I am super excited about the guest that we have today, and her name is Rhonda Farr, and she is a life coach, and she works with high performers who may be struggling in their marriages or their partnerships or their relationships. But they are people that really thrive and connect at work, but are struggling with that emotional intelligence or that emotional connection or emotional intimacy in their relationships. And so I am passionate about emotional intelligence and emotional intimacy because that's the best part of being a human being. And so I'm very excited to just have a chat with her. So welcome, Rhonda. I'm Thank you for being here. Hi, thanks for having me. I am so passionate about this topic, so I am so excited to talk about it today. Well, then let's talk about, could you tell us what is your definition of emotional, or, or even if there's a difference, what is your definition of emotional intelligence and what is your definition of emotional intimacy? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. Okay, so here's what I think at first about emotional intelligence. I think most of us go throughout our days and we are reacting, right? Like somebody at the office says something that we don't like, and then we have a thought and a feeling, and then we react. And maybe we are driving home and somebody cuts us off. Again, we react. Then we go home to our spouse and we're just exhausted or our kids and we're just so tired, right? And then we think we're just in a mood and we have to be in a mood, right? When we gain more emotional intelligence, what happens is we start to notice our thinking and feeling. We start to notice when somebody says something, oh my goodness, that just triggered something for me. I feel something in my body. And then maybe we're able to name what that thing is that we're feeling. Oh, that's anger. Oh, that's fear or whatever it might be, right? It could be, like I said, at work, in the office, could be with our spouse or our children. Emotional intelligence is when we can start to become aware of what we're feeling. Sometimes it's naming it. Sometimes it's just describing what it feels like in the body. But we can own that and not react. Emotional intelligence gives us space for agency. 
to respond the way we choose. I worked at the elementary level and I would describe the obstacles or problems that we had amongst with the relationships and the staff and the relationships that they might have with parents or with each other or even with the children as in need of raising emotional intelligence. Tell us how would someone, if they were able to recognize, that's me, I'm always reacting, and that's, I know, you're, no, one's mis, no one's ever misbehaving in my book. We do better when we know better. But so if they don't, what would be knowing better? If you recognize that's me, what's the first step in raising one's emotional intelligence? That's such a good question. And I want to offer the same sentiment that you just did. I live and breathe this work. I've been doing it for years and sometimes I still react. Okay. So we're not blaming anybody here. However, I react way less than I used to 10 years ago. So the first step is simply just starting to learn what our patterns are. So I want to get a little brainy here, a little neuroscientist-y here. And by the way, I have no qualifications for that. I'm a former family counselor and a life coach, not a neuroscientist. But here's what I do know. We have these pathways in the brain and they connect, right? We start with a thought and before we even know it, it develops into a feeling. And sometimes it may even feel like we didn't have thought. And that's simply because like if somebody says a word, we won't even notice the thought, but we'll feel angry. Like if they come in and say, you should have, right? Or that phrase, we're like, ah, defensive already. So what I'd like for you to start doing, if you're one of these people who are saying that's me, is just start noticing. What are some triggers? That's not the best word, but I think that's the word most people will understand. What are some trigger words or trigger phrases at work or in your marriage or with your kids? Like I have a kid. This is a true story, Lynn. He'll yell, what's for dinner in this tone? And before I've even had a thought, like I'm like frustrated at him, right? Kids just hungry. I know that intellectually, but it feels like a demand and like I've been working all day, right? Mm -hmm. So for me, what I've had to do is notice that's one of my triggers. And then I want to pause and I want to ask myself, what am I making that mean when he just says what's for dinner in that tone? What is my body feeling? And here for me, what I'm feeling is I get really tight and tense in my chest and I start having thoughts when I can slow down and really ask myself, like, he do doesn't respect me. That was a rude way to talk to his mother. Maybe I am not doing a good job. What should I be doing better? Right. So I start making projections about him. And then I start, as we always do, start making it mean something about me personally. Right. And so the first thing that we have to do is notice those situations where we are being triggered and then get curious about. This is so good because when I was at the site, this was very common. Teachers would come to me and a child would do something. I tell you kind of a sad story. One of my favorite kids was sent up to my office by a substitute teacher and said that he doesn't respect me he's misbehaving and I don't know how to deal with him and was very, I don't know what other word would be used, rea reactionary might be. She was definitely reacting. And um, I've been doing this long enough to get curious about what happened and not just going by the one story I heard, but to hear his side of it. And it took a while to get to his side of it. I call this going to the well, 
when you talk to men. At the men, I believe, are like have these wells, these deep, deep wells. And when you ask the first question and then are quiet, they'll go and get the first bucket and give you an answer. And uh, the first answer was, well, I upset the teacher. And then I asked, well, can you tell me more about what happened? So he went back to the well and he gathered, he kept, and we went back to the well and we kept, and finally what came down to it and why he was upset was she had said to him that I've seen first graders write better than that. That's so sad. I know, but that was what was happening. And I can't even remember what the behavior was. I only remember what her behavior was. So it pays to be curious. It pays to give think time. And and I know, I really believe in my heart that substitute, that guest teacher was not like, I'm going to devastate a third grader today. You know, I don't think that, that that's what was going on. But it was an opportunity for me to work with both of them, work with her and work with him and promote healing. So getting curious is the first step to raising that emotional intelligence. The first step is there, after you get curious and you notice that that you've even had a reaction or what you might feeling, what would one do next after getting curious? Great question. And I want to offer that you might not notice like, oh, shoot, I reacted until you get home later that evening. So I want to add for your listeners, whenever you notice this, you can do this work. If you miss it in the moment, which you probably will the first 10 or more times, right? Because we're so used to that neural pathway saying, hear a word or hear a phrase or see a teacher march a kid in and react. So if you don't notice it until later, do it later, but we get curious and we want to figure out what was going on. And, and I would say, even turn it back to us. What was going on for us? Do I have something about that specific teacher that I've heard so many times that now I kind of have a bias toward like when I see their face or hear their voice, or when I hear a certain tone from somebody in the office or whatever. So we get curious about us. What in that moment made us feel that way? Okay. And then here's the beautiful part that gives us some real education. We start describing what it feels like in our bodies to have that emotion. We're going to befriend instead of try to push away or defer that emotion. We're going to welcome it and let ourselves feel what that feels like when it vibrates in our body, because that's what an emotion is. It's just a vibration. It's a felt sense in the body. So here's what I like to do. I like to say, If my body were completely relaxed, my shoulders were relaxed and like my skin, my muscles, everything were just hanging on my skeleton, like that relaxed, what does it feel like now, right? Is there a flutter in my chest? Is there a sucker punch in my gut? Is my head pounding? And I just, in my mind's eye, I literally say to myself, welcome. You're welcome to be here, anger. Welcome. You're welcome to be here, anxiety or whatever it is. And then, Lynn, as crazy as this sounds, I just start describing it. Well, it's like a fast flutter in my chest, or it's like a deep punch in my gut. And if it had a color, it would be black, right? Like I go to all the woo-woo places. It's about the size of volleyball. I'm just making this up right now. Um, But we literally want to get to know the emotion because the more times we can do that, the more we're going to recognize 
what's happening when we get triggered by somebody else. And the more we're going to be able to call it out, and this might be the next step that you'll ask me about, but the more we can tolerate that, then the more we can have a more honest communication with the person that we're interacting with. So what I mean by that is we have gotten curious about ourselves, like, oh, when that teacher comes in, I kind of feel like they're just wanting me to take care of everything and they don't realize, like, I've got a lot on my plate too. I'm totally are, making are this you, Are you reading my mind? <laughs> yeah. Well, my mom, my mom worked in a school office for a while, so I'm trying to project accurately. So we're like, we're like, okay, that teacher, they do this all the time. They think I have nothing else going on and they want me to put out these fires. So we have that thought. So we get curious. Well, why does that bother me? And what do I feel? And ah, I just feel angry and my shoulders feel tight and I feel this buzzing in my chest. So we're, we're like learning to tolerate how that feels. And then that next step is, okay, I could have an like quote, I'm saying air quotes for those of you who can't see me. An honest communication and say, teacher so-and-so, I have got a lot to do today. I'm sorry I can't deal with this right now. If you could just handle this one, that would be great. Thanks. Bye. Right? And some people would say that's really honest. And yes, it is, but it's also a little bit reactionary. Mm -hmm. So when we can tolerate and handle our own emotions and regulate, regulate a little bit, we might get to have a more honest conversation, which is a layer beneath that. So we might say to them, you know what? I really appreciate you as a teacher. And I can see that this is difficult to keep dealing maybe with this child over and over. And I can see that you have other children in your classroom and this is hard for you. I would love for you to go give me some suggestions about what you think I can do to support you. And we'll have a conversation then. Right now is not a good time for me, but maybe when we both think about this, we can have a different conversation. Now, it might be unrealistic to have that. I don't know what it's type, like to be a principal. No, I've actually, no, I've done both scenarios. Yeah. The, the one that is less reactionary, I have all, also done. I've done both. No, you're spot on. Spot on, Rhonda. Spot it on. just gives us opportunity to get to know ourselves better, to get to know our patterns better, to befriend our emotions. And then agency to have more honest conversations with the people that we're working with. Or if we take this into our homes with our spouses, with our children, right? Which I won't dive all the way into it. I'll let you ask me questions. But that takes us to what intimacy and emotional intimacy is, which we'll talk about in a moment. Great minds think alike. I was just thinking that. So now we've, we've gotten some very valuable tools or some things to think about with emotional intelligence and what to do, getting curious and being willing to experience, vibe and befriend and invite in your emotions, kind of like to sit down on the couch next to you and just stay a little while and see what it's like. And, but how does this translate into emotional intimacy? Okay, so perfect. Also, before we pass this up, for those of you who would feel or do better because sometimes when we're performers and achievers and higher thinkers, we like to write things out. So I want to offer that to your audience too. Like if it's helpful, go ahead and write these things out on paper that I'm talking about. Like, what does this feel like in my body? You could just journal about it, right? And what are the thoughts and feelings I'm having? Just dump your brain out. It sometimes is super helpful just to get it all out without judgment. Just let the words fly, right? Let the judgment fly and then go back and get curious. Okay, so emotional intimacy. 
Here's what I define that as your ability to tolerate your own emotions as you are honest with somebody else who is communicating their true experience. So if you can communicate your true self and tolerate how that feels while you let the other person communicate and tolerate how you feel while they are being, quote, honest with you, whatever that might look like, Mm -hmm. that is emotional intimacy. You are truly being seen and you are truly knowing another person while tolerating sometimes quite a bit of discomfort, probably. It's not very sexy, is it? Like we think of emotional intimacy as romantic. This is kind of tough. Yeah, I I know exactly what you're talking about. I had a moment like that in the kitchen with my husband. He descaled our coffee maker last night. And I was like, oh, and I was very appreciative. But this morning, I couldn't make coffee because there, there was something wrong. And I felt frustrated. I was able to feel and express my frustration. And yes, it was. And we both just stayed there, not for too long. I went back and checked in on him and said, I just want to say again how grateful I am. He's like, I, I, I got no tone on what happened. I'm, but they, <laughs> I think sometimes the life coach in me does that, but I know exactly what you're talking about. And it's a sweet spot. And for us, it didn't last long, but it's a very sweet spot. So thank you. You're right. It wasn't romantic or sexy or nobody was going to get a kiss or a hug. It was two human beings being authentic and aligned with their emotions. So I have to tell you, the school site, that doesn't happen very often. It really doesn't. And I, except with children, children can do this beautifully. They seem to, to be able to do it a lot. It might just my impression. They have an easier time with it than the adults do. Why do you think that is? I think this is something that we hear a lot too, that we teach children not to tolerate emotion over time, right? Like when they're little, they're pretty good at it. But as they get older, the don't cry or you can't be angry at your brother or whatever, right? Don't be scared. And we do it with good intention, right? Don't be scared. You've got this. However, what we're telling them is emotions are something to be pushed away. Emotions are something to be avoided. And over time, we develop into adults who think that emotions, especially uncomfortable emotions, are bad. So then as an adult, we take it as a cue if we feel an uncomfortable emotion in our body that something has gone wrong, that something is no longer okay. And I want to offer that very uncomfortable emotions are just part of the human condition. They're an opportunity to get to know ourselves better. Like, I want you to imagine, again, I'm just projecting and making this up, but a teacher comes into the office and says, listen, I don't think that you're hearing us. I don't think that you understand what it's like from our perspective on whatever the thing is. And for me, if I were in that position being told that, I think I'd like automatically get a little defensive, right? Or be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. But if we can feel ourselves get defensive, we can relax our shoulders, relax our body, and we are confident that we can tolerate an emotion. Instead of speaking defensive words, we might say, okay, 
this is a little hard to hear, but I'm willing to listen. Tell me more, right? And then what we would be doing is tolerating our body as it feels an emotion and then tolerating what it's like to have the teacher or whoever it is speaking to us feel their emotions. For that example, feeling an uncomfortable emotion actually opens a pathway for a deeper understanding. It doesn't mean something has gone wrong. It means you're a human having a human experience and something very good could come of that if we have enough emotional intelligence and we're willing to have an emotionally intimate moment. Once again, I swear that you have been peeking into the school leader's window because that, that is something that, that does come up. That is something that I have heard. School sites will sometimes say that to the district, that they feel unheard, they feel unseen. This is what I would like to ask you about. For the teachers and school leaders and parents that are listening to this podcast, how would they teach, how would they teach their children or their students emotional intelligence? How would we teach children to be comfortable with their emotions? Okay, I have a couple of answers and no one certain way is going to work for every child. So first of all, know that each child is unique. And before I get this, I'm so sorry, but my brain keeps talking or talking to me as you're speaking, saying, go back and say this one thing about I love us as adults. Please. Okay. Here's a little tool. When you feel yourself getting triggered and you like are defensive and you want to respond to somebody, I want to offer a little tool that you can do. And I said it, but I didn't explicitly explain what I was saying in the example. Sometimes you're not going to have all the intelligence in the world to be like, okay, I'm emotionally intelligent. Let me tolerate how this feels. What we can communicate instead, and actually this might go with our ground level zero, is to say, you know what? When you came in and said that, I could tell my body had a reaction and I don't want to respond to you from that reaction. Can, can you give me a few minutes or can you give me until tomorrow, right? So I don't want you to think when you're first starting this skill that it's gonna come so naturally again in that you're going to do it. But if you can catch yourself and feel that feeling, even if you're not totally equipped to handle all the emotions just yet, I offer the tool of coming up with your own phrase that gives you time. You can say, you know what? I can tell this is important to you and I'm having some feelings about it myself. Let's sleep on this and we'll talk tomorrow or something like that. As no, you I love it. That was Probably one of the first thing, first thing I said to new principals is, you're not going to believe me, but it's never personal. <laughs> and the second thing is, because we call it drive-bys, as you're walking through the campus, because you're visible, you will be approached with questions, concerns. Um, yeah, questions, concerns. And I said, learn to say what you are saying is important to me and valuable. I need to think about it. I'll get back to you. Do not try to answer from the place of where you're walking and you're in transition. You probably won't like your answer and they won't like your answer. And plus, it also, I think it also tells the person that's approaching you, you are so valuable and so important to me and what you are so concerned about. I'm going to take time. I'm going to give this some time and think about it and we're going to come back together. I think it also, it transmits value. Don't you think? Love that. Yes, love that. Because you're saying to them, 
like you said, this matters to me so much that I want to make sure I give it the attention it deserves. Yeah. And, and that they you, matter and that they yes. matter, that they matter to you. But that's, those are the first two things I teach. Having learned the hard way. <laughs> Understood. <laughs> on those. So I cut you off or got, ex I got off on a tangent. You were going to share with us about how to teach our children. Yes. Teaching the children. Okay. I'm just going to give you a few ideas and I recommend that you try different forms of this. So one thing is literally to just play a game with the kids where you talk about emotions. And so I'm going to give them some examples that you see your kids going through a lot. Like we can even start with positive emotions. I, I might say excitement. Hey guys, if you felt excited, how would your body move? And let them just like flail their arms or dance around. Or, hey guys, if you felt excited, what would your voice sound like? You might want to do this one in the gymnasium or outside, right? And let them woo and hoop and holler, right? And then I might say, all right, if you are angry, how would you stand? And, you know, maybe they put their little fists on their hips and furl their brow. If you were angry, what would your face look like? And let them just do that. And then I might say, if you're angry and your eyes look like that and you're standing that way, what does it feel like inside your body? And then I might guide them a little bit more. Like, are your shoulders tight? Do you, can you feel yourself breathing or are you holding your breath, right? And I would just start helping them get aware of what their body wants to do when it feels a certain way or what their bodies start to feel like when they are experiencing emotion. And then the cool thing is when you're doing this at an, at as a class, you can start calling it out in the classroom and be like, ooh, look at Sally. She must be feeling excited. I can see the way she's moving her body now is sort of like we did it when we played that emotions game. Or like, oh, Johnny, I noticed that you're standing with your hands on your hips. Does that mean you're feeling angry, right? Like we're just helping them become aware of their bodies in relation to emotion. So any thoughts about that? That's one idea. That I would have done, if I were back at the site, I would have done this at a staff meeting with the adults. Maybe oh, a smaller group, you know, a smaller group, like a grade level meeting. Yes. So I, if I were to go back in time, I would do this with the adults. And maybe going forward in time, who knows? I might create a workshop where we do this with the adults because I, my experience or what I saw is that teachers and educators and school leaders are so focused on others and so focused on the mission and so focused on this purpose, this high purpose of what they're doing, creating the future, creating our children's future, that they can, not always, but they can neglect themselves and certainly neglect their emotions and what they're feeling. So you've also sparked some ideas. So thank you, Rhonda. So fun. How can our, our listeners find you online? So I'm at rondafar.com and on Instagram, I'm pretty active there on social media, rondafar underscore coaching. So yeah, go check me out. I usually help high performers, high achievers create more emotional connection in relationships, but emotional intelligence in general is my passion. I love it. It's changed my life. Yes. Well, thank, I cannot thank you enough. This was so good and so much fun. I really appreciate you coming on this yeah. podcast and sharing your experience, your strength, your hope, and, and helping our educators. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Lynn, and thanks to all your listeners. Thanks for listening.
And if you enjoyed this episode, hit subscribe. And also take a few seconds to give the show a rating and review on whatever platform you are listening to.